How can I make money in the music business? Why copyright? Should I make a CD anymore? Trying to break into the music and entertainment biz? Wondering how the business works? Wondering how guys like Elton John and MC Hammer go bankrupt? Why am I not making any cash? Tune in to WP Brave New Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Hang with the university's music business faculty hosts, me, Steve Marconi, and me, Dave Phil. Plus, we'll have industry guests and students from the music management program. How do I get gigs down at the shore? Call in with your questions and hear the latest in industry happenings. How do I get my music on iTunes? How do I get on a tour? It's Music Biz 101 and more every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on WP Brave New Radio. We are live on Music Biz 101 and more. The only radio show in Los Estados Unidos that focuses on the business side of the music and entertainment biz. We're on Brave New Radio 88.7. I am Professor Dave Philp here with... Steve Marconi. The Good Doctor. Yes. And today we also have a number of guests in the studio. Our student Very co-host, studio. Bobby Mahoney. Bobby Mahoney, a big student guest. Good. Seven foot ten. Huge, <laughs> huge. Right. And who else do we have, Dr. Steve Marconi? Well, we are very fortunate today to be able to talk about management. And uh, it's uh, actually extreme importance in the industry. And we have a good friend of mine for many years, Harvey Leeds who currently is managing Southside Johnny and has had a very illustrious career at Sony Music for... Th- uh, just I stopped by for a moment, 35 years. Yes, you stopped, <laughs> and we were very, very uh, shocked that he never went to another company. And he's here with his partner, actually, who's also doing management with him, and that is... Adam Jordan here. Okay, and Adam owns a studio up in Nyack and is also... Uh, Managing some up-and-coming bands, so it just should be an exciting show, Dave. I think it's going to be extremely exciting, Dr. Steven. Well, we're going to have a party. I mean, isn't that what we started off with? We are having a party. It was brought to us by Southside Johnny and all of the Asbury Jukes. Every How many Asbury Jukes have there been in the history of the Asbury Jukes? Is it like uh, the E Street Band and there have been like well, a thousand? More, we actually have a poster that we stopped. It's a family tree that stopped around 1999. It's got to have, shoot, it's got to have two, three hundred members. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, crazy. crazy the people that have gone through there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of uh, health care expenses there. We should bring up that our producer this fine day is Alex Bavakwi and our engineer behind the glass wall. But below the glass ceiling is Hyun Wan. <sighs> the crowd went wild for both of them. Uh, before we get into everything, a few things for you. First of all, you are listening to Music Biz 101 and more. You may tweet your questions to us now. You may tweet them to us at, at MusicBiz101WP. We will be taking your questions very soon. The number is 973-720-2738. We are also a podcast, Dr. Stephen Marconi. Yes, I realize that on Stitcher. On Stitcher Radio. If you go to Stitcher Radio on your Android or your iPhone, go to your applications, type in Stitcher Radio, download it, then type in Music Biz 101 and more. You will get to hear us on demand. Great. <laughs> I would love to have you on demand, Dr. Marconi. Let's keep this show rolling. And then uh, you can always go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com, to find out everything you ever wanted to know about Dr. Stephen Marconi. Who do we have coming up in the upcoming weeks, Dr. Marconi? Well, I guess uh, we should really say that we're going to do four more shows, and the next show will be, uh, I guess, will be an alum, actually, that uh, worked at Roadrunner Records, and then... Went over to Ticketmaster, Tom Hefter, who got his graduate degree here. Uh, Then after that, we have actually Tommy Silverman's executive assistant. We have Sarah Carlson here, who is also an MBA grad from uh, William Patterson. And after that, we have Paul Sinclair, who is now the head of digital at um, Atlantic Records. And then we're going to finish the month and finish the season with uh, Alana um, Mulford, Saratori Mulford. And Alana has been uh, a manager for about, um, well, ever since she graduated here, actually. Um, 
working with Rick Springfield, and I was going to say Springsteen, working with Rich, uh, Rick Springfield, and also, um, God, it'll come to me during the show. It's a jam band out of, Phil- out of Pennsylvania. Carry on with Send the Send me show. on my way, right? Rusted Root? Rusted Root. Yeah, Rusted Root. There we go. Very good. Thank you. Pulled that out of something. Yes. And um, <laughs> let's see. And so why don't we begin the show? Why don't we ask Bobby Mahoney, our guest? Hey. William Patterson student, Bobby. Hey. What is your major here? Hey. Hey. Okay. I am a pop, popular music studies major here at William Patterson. Why William Patterson University? Um, I heard about it through my uh, music teacher in high school. He, she said, told me that there was this, a new program that was like j- just started a few years ago at William Patterson that focused on, you know, half of it was like songwriting and like you know theory, and then the other half was like music business and you know how to, you know, not only be an artist, you know, in the industry, but how to do you know other things, how to you know learn to get like learn about music publishing, management, you know, recording, all the different things in the industry. So. I thought it would be a good fit for me, and so far it has been. It's been great. It's great, and you have a new CD. You're, you're, what, tell us what kind of what instrument you play and what you're doing. What um, I'm, I play guitar and sing in a band called Bobby Mahoney and the Seventh Son. Um, where um, we started playing, it started as a high school band. We were going to do like one high school show at the um, like Battle of the Bands they have in my town. Then we started playing around a lot more. Your town? Right, what town? East Brunswick, Central Jersey. Uh, we. Uh, Started playing a lot more, started playing down in Asbury Park, uh, played the Stone Pony a lot. We just headlined down there in December, going to hopefully have one soon, another headlining show down there in this summer, where I'm recording an album. We actually recorded the whole thing here at the studios at William Patterson. We did 10 tracks. It uh, turned out pretty good. I'm excited. We're going to release that on June 22nd. Um, we're playing around a lot between now and then, and after that, playing down Asbury and you know all around the state, and hopefully going to get some out-of-state shows soon too as well you guys are already on youtube we're on youtube we're on fa- facebook we're on twitter uh check it out bobby mahoney in the seventh sun um trying to think of some other fun facts well, who, who else have you shared the stage with um, time to name drop name dropping um well you know south side i did light of day canada with south side a few years back um willie nile uh joe grashecki in the house rockers jesse mallon uh willie nile uh john eddie um gaslight anthem um I got to be on stage with Springsteen a few months ago and Asbury Park Light of Day. That was a big moment for me because he's my um, one of my biggest inspirations. So that was a really cool moment. Um, Great. Yeah. Did you, did you share the microphone with him? No, I didn't. I didn't get that close. <laughs> I was there and I was just happy I was able to. I bet you that's because Garland Jeffries and Willie Nile were hogging the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not going to comment. That means yes. There we go. <laughs> I didn't say it. But um, no, it was really cool, and I'm happy to be a part of that family as well as like you know one of the younger guys because they've all been very good to me and been on the road with a lot of them, and they've you know kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, so that's Bobby Mahoney and the Seventh Son. What happened to the other six sons? I um, guess they didn't they pass the audition. They've been they they yeah, are not with us ex- any longer. Yep, that's... hung quartered. In okay, all right. Well, we'll be back with Bobby later on. He's probably going to be asking some questions of our esteemed guest Harvey Leeds. And why don't you now, Doctor Marconi? Jump yes. in, jump in with what's happening. So, tonight. Harvey, uh, we, I guess, about when I started at William Pat. Oh, no, I started at Syracuse in 1973-74. I think that's when we met. And then your brother came and did his graduate work there. And you well, were well, a well, let's put this in, pers- let's put this rep, in perspective. You, at that time? you taught a class at Syracuse University. That's right. And I was the CBS Records college rep. Mm-hmm. And one day you said, I got something to do. Can you teach this class? Did I? Yes, and you split. <laughs> and there I was. We were in we were in the downtown classrooms. Remember you had oh, to go downtown? the night class, yes. The night class is right. Yes. Because it was like, wait, you want, you want to get three easy credits? Take Mark Har- Marconi's course, man. It's well, great. Uh, you did have I, a football I, I, player or two in there. And yes, you certainly did. But that's where we first met. Uh-huh. Okay. So you left, William. Uh, you left Syracuse. I'll stop saying. I that. graduated. I didn't leave. Yes, I graduated. Graduated Syracuse University. Yes, I got, I got that thing that's printed on toilet paper called a diploma. And you carried over from your days as a college rep with CBS Records to getting hired at uh, BlackRock. Correct. At the time, I wore I wore the shortest skirt that I could find, <laughs> and I went and got interviewed by the branch manager in New York, uh-huh. and. 
uh, I groveled a little bit. I said, I'll sweep the floor. I'll do anything. I need to work here. And at the time, there was a warehouse that warehoused records in Elmer's, Queens. Mm -hmm. And I went in there, and I was the East Coast college rep. I was a college rep in Syracuse making $15 a week. Mm -hmm. Now I was the East Coast college rep in 1975, and it was the greatest job anyone could ever wish because my job was to go hang out on college campuses from you know Boston to Washington, D.C., and mm-hmm. ask them to play Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. We have this uh-huh. new album by this guy. You know, you might have played the first two records. Oh, you mean that guy that sounds like Bob Dylan? We don't play that stuff. We only play the Mahavishnu Orchestra and Weather <laughs> Report. True story. I went to WFMU, uh, college radio station from Uppsala, and they were yeah. like, we don't play that guy, Bruce. We don't play Bob Dylan. We only play Mahavishu Orchestra and Vandergraaff Generator. <laughs> Great. So then I was the East Coast college rep. Right. And then they said, you know, there's a thing that's that's not going away. It's called FM radio. And we need people because they're allowed to actually play their own music. So you have to take every disc jockey out for a meal and convince them to play Bruce Springsteen or play David Bromberg or play the Boston more than a feeling record mm-hmm. or meatloaf out of hell. So it's the greatest job again. So all of a sudden I didn't, I didn't I, hang I went from hanging out in college campuses to all of a sudden hanging out at FM radio stations. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Never. And then grow. when did you get your office at Black Rock? Well, I was, I was in purgatory. I was out in, um, Elmhurst, Queens, for right. two years. And then so 1977, moved to 51 West 52nd Street, the CBS Black Rock building. Mm-hmm. Is that when Moondog was still standing Moon Moondog would stand in front. And for those of you not knowing what Marconi is even talking about, <laughs> Moondog made records that were produced by James William Gershio, yes. who started and is most famous for uh, owning ripping off, creating, writing, producing the band Chicago. Right. He was the guy that really was the first guy making horn bands, the Buckingham's kind of a drag and Laudy Miss Claudie, and he actually produced the very first, uh, excuse me, the second Blood, Sweat, and Tears record that became the most famous one with You Make Me So Very Happy. Right. And interestingly enough, he also, sidebar, produced Fire Sign Theater. But (laughs) he produced... uh, Moondog and Moondog was a guy that hung out. He was a blind musician that hung out on the street corners right there at 52nd and 6th Avenue. And he looked like a Viking, right. wore the helmet and the fur. And he made the most insane. It was yeah. kind of like Frank Zappa meets I have one album. Edgar Varese. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> such. Right. Crazy esoteric, classically driven music, yeah. but he hung out on the streets. So I yes, remember that. I was on when I was on Epic Records. He was standing, yeah. In front. Who, the other person who would stand around with him was a very famous um, actress named Butterfly McQueen. Who amp? Who's Butterfly McQueen? I don't know. I don't know nothing about birth and babies. Very uh. famous actress who was in the Beulah show. She was also in Gone with the Wind, and ah. she would hang out in the street corner. Didn't she with... win an Oscar? She sure did. Was she the first African-American actress to win uh, an Oscar? She sure was, there and then became a homeless person, mm. uh, hanging out in the street corner with... Uh, Moondog. Moondog. Cool. cool. We digress. All right, so you then spent your entire career at CBS Records, which was astonishing to me. Yeah, and they, they forgot about me. They They... There was a closet, and they opened the door and said, this is your office. And then they just <laughs> never cleaned it out. George Costanza, I mean, I think. Yeah. In, in a business that there's nothing to have 10 jobs in your career. Right. So to, to give you the little job resume, so there I was, 1977, and I became like the FM radio specialist. You're listening to WP88.7 Brave New Radio here. Here's the new record by King Crimson. So I would go around the country asking these guys to play the Meatloaf record and the Boston record. And then in 1980, there's like, hey, man, there's this thing called New Wave. And we went out to KROQ, K-Rock, the Rock of Los Angeles, and we were getting the Clash played. So all of a sudden, I was in charge of like, FM radio. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's cool, man. Put that, put that thing out. And then there was also punk rock. Then right around 1981, along comes MTV. Well, they didn't know what to do with it. We were making these crazy music videos. So now I became the first vidiot. 
I was a video promotion guy going into MTV, promoting them as you would a radio station. And I did that for many years, and I ran the alternative department, and I ran marketing and, and promotion, but I, I was really the rock guy. And the last, I retired from Sony four years ago, but the last 10 years, I ran a department called Artist Development, and mm -hmm. that's where we took new bands, and we would teach them how to tour, we would find them an agent, we would find them a manager, and we would, we would teach them how to properly tour, we would give them tour support, and I did that for both Columbia and Epic, and then... When I turned the ripe old age of 55, it was like, see you later, because the Titanic is sinking. The record business is no longer <laughs> what it was. I got to get out of here. Clairvoyant. Yes. And that's and so is that how you got into personal management? How did you make the uh, jump from working in a label, corporate America, into the personal management side? Well, I had, you know, I was always pretty artist friendly, and I had found this band, the Dresden Dolls, and Amanda Palmer, and people would be coming to me, oh, my God. I haven't talked to my manager in a year. New band, a new band, band called New Found Glory. What do you mean you haven't talked to your manager in a year? And so these people would knock on my door, and then Live Nation came along and said, "We want to hire you here in the New York office." And I said, "Well, I've been kissing enough corporate, but I, I, I'll come in as a consultant." So I came into Live Nation and started an artist development program Monday nights at the Gramercy Theater, mm -hmm. which at the time when I took it over was losing a million dollars a year, and then. Slowly but surely, after the first year, we actually made $27,000. If you start putting in talent that people want to come see, you can actually mm -hmm. make money. Gee, what a novel concept. And so I was managing Amanda Palmer, Newfound Glory. I was consulting Live Nation. And then I ran into an old friend who I promoted his records back in 1976, Southside Johnny. And he said, I always wanted to do a side project without horns and play Americana, country, folky music. And I helped him put that together. And then and I started, I, I, I almost became like a forensic accountant. People <laughs> would say, you know, I don't know where my money's going. I said, what do you mean you don't know where your money I don't have money. I, I can't seem. And so Southside Johnny asked me to investigate his business, as did several other artists. And then all of a sudden I was like, hey, I'm an artist manager because I knew every trick in the book from a record company. And I also knew, you know, every trick in the book from, you know, once upon a time, learning the business from guys like Shep Gordon, who started out as a drug dealer, mm -hmm. and then took that skill and became Alice Cooper and Teddy Pendergrass and Luther Vandross managers. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing I knew, people were knocking my door to manage them. Mm -hmm. And you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can fool all the people all the time. And now I'm a manager. Mm -hmm. Great. Why don't we take a question for Arby, since there are so many questions. Yes, we have a ton of, of tweets for you today. Well, the phones are blowing up. They're yeah. off the hook here. Well, while he's doing that, um, I, from now, well, we also should talk. I also manage Marky Ramon, and right. we, we go out and we do. Uh, well, that's what he I He does everything like he DJs. We also do Marky Ramon's Blitzkrieg, where we play, you know, 70 minutes. We do. 30 Ramon songs in 70 minutes. We also started a pasta company, Marky Ramon's Brooklyn Zone Pasta. If you've tried the rest, now try the best. Go to MarkyRamon.com. We ship cases of pasta sauce all over the world. Excuse me, 48 states. Um, we just did a tour with Andrew W.K., singing lead with Marky, doing Ramon songs. But um, as we get into that, you're, you're very, I mean, what I saw and what we talked about months ago, you're very conscious of looking at, alternative revenue streams and the simple recorded revenue stream and the live revenue stream and the publishing revenue stream, but there are, there are other things that can be done besides a T-shirt that can actually get the name around, and you just brought up an well, example. Well, you know, I promised Marky. somebody that within the first 15 minutes I would talk about the fly swatter, and that, yes, we, 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 I, oh, believe yes, in promo I believe in promotional devices. I believe in tchotchkes. I believe in stuff, mm -hmm. as George Carlin would say. You have to have stuff right. that you can also sell to your audience and your fans as record company income streams diminish. You need to find other ways of making money. Mark your own pasta sauce, Southside Johnny, fly swatters, high profit margin item, big. I mean, you could retire on just selling fly swatters, <laughs> but yeah, you have to be inventive. You know, you have to find different platforms, licensing. Mm-hmm. And the world is your oyster because there's right. always something new and different. Right. Now, speaking of oysters, sitting next to me is one of the biggest oysters I know, Adam Jordan. And you talk about 
people coming into your life. Somebody said to me, you should see this band called Glint. You should see this band called Glint. Listen to their CD. I hate the CD. I don't like the CD. Leave me alone. But Adam Jordan wouldn't leave me alone for three years. <laughs> Finally, I said, okay, how do I shut this guy down? I go and I see this band play. And it was, it was, Trent, it was baby Trent Reznor. It just knocked me out. I was like, God, does your CD suck. You know, these guys are so good live. And then we became partners in this band. And we have a little recording studio up in Orangeburg before that in Nyack. And it's like, it's a classic example of how to work the system. At the time, I guess I was the suit. I was the man. But here was a guy that was, well, you, Adam, you can, you, you guys were sort of making money. You had already, when I first met you, you had licensed a song to, what was it, a TV show? Uh, Friday Night Lights, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The football, the, yeah. the uh, football show, yeah. high school football show. Yeah. No, and it was just like, I, I was very happy when Harvey finally came, and then we just kind of hit it off, and we were kind of teaching each other. He would teach me great, we would teach each other all interesting tricks, and uh, we, you know, applied it to a couple other projects we've been working on, and just thinking outside the box always. Mm-hmm. Which what it takes today. Yeah. Finding that niche that nobody else In fact, has, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to yeah. tell a quick story. Adam taught me this trick, man. I, 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 I'm an old dog. You can teach me a new trick. We wanted to book a tour of Europe of the band Glint. No one had ever heard of him. But we sent, I was at Live Nation. I have a Live Nation email account. And we sent emails to promoters all over Europe. Hello from Live Nation New York. You should know about this band, Clint. Before you knew it, we were playing, you know, outdoors in Amsterdam in front of 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. We were an unknown band from Nyack, New York. And if you craft an email correctly with the correct email address, you can wake up the dead and all of a sudden tour Europe. And to the point where we were looking for an agent in Europe and they said, well, you just booked a 30-city tour. You must have an agent. No, we had we had a guy who's got balls the size of King Kong named Adam Jordan, and he just knew how to write the right email. Good, great. I think that's that's a great lesson in there. Yeah, I, I think it's. Um, what would you say? And, I, and a number of people have asked this question. Um, what are, What are the major characteristics that a manager in today's business? needs to have i mean you're you're embodying them the way you're speaking and everything you're talking about but what would you say if you had to put it in words today a manager today needs to needs to have is it the cojones is it the creativity is you need it to have percent? balls the size of king kong you don't know the word no you walk on water you walk through walls and there you know you you have to think off the screen and say what can i do that nobody else has done to grab your attention because i believe in this music so much that I'm going to yell and scream until you hear me. And the Internet allows you to do that. Root canal. <laughs> Root canal, absolutely. Well, I've often said <laughs> that, that, that... Did I teach you that? That's what you would call me. Uh, right. <laughs> that, that's right. Adam would torture me so much. I go, oh, God, you are Root Canal. <laughs> and it's like, hey, guess what? You never forget that first Root Canal. Well, no. we, we teach here that... that the personal manager is the most important business person in the uh, industry today and probably the weakest link for most artists. Would you agree? Oh, ab absolutely. Um, more artists do not happen, get ripped off, or wind up changing careers mm -hmm. because, you know, they had, you know, an idiot for a manager. Yeah. Did you ever read Dr. Steve Marconi's book, Managing Your Band? Steve Marconi's book, by the way, if we might do a <laughs> one-hour commercial for it, <laughs> is, Adam, what did I say when I was driving here? It was like one of the, it was the best management piece. Well, right. thank you. I, I keep a copy of it in my home office, in my office at Live Nation in New York on 42nd Street, right across from Spider-Man between, uh, between Aladdin and McDonald's. That's where my office. I keep a copy there. It is the quintessential Bible. It is uh, no stroke because I'm not looking for you to get, I'm not, I, I'm not looking to get an A in your class anymore. <laughs> I sucked up to you enough 40 years ago. I then was doing a project for the Israeli consulate. I took 40 copies of that book 
It was the biggest order Amazon had ever gotten. <laughs> Marconi was like, I even probably got it into the fourth printing and got he got started getting royalties. He didn't know where they were coming from. It was from me because I ordered 40 copies, took them to Israel and taught a lot of bands over there how to do business because they didn't understand the business. And when you're in the music business, it's a business. You just happen to be working the coolest, sexiest, fun, loving product ever. It's better than aluminum siding or insurance. Right. Let us uh, let, let us go to a tweet. While we do this, Bobby, I want to make sure you have a question coming up. So I want you to be thinking in your head. I'm putting you on the spot, but you have a couple minutes. Bobby Mahoney is going to have to give us a question. Right, um, good, good question for you, though, from Amanda Lynn. She tweets <clears> this in. By the way, you can tweet us, at MusicBiz101WP. Amanda wants to know, what do you look for when seeking out an artist band to manage, and what is the it factor that helps you pick them? Um, that's a great question. You know, I, I have always tried. You start to say, I'm going to play the game. Oh, there's a band, Green Day, Goo Goo, Blink, Good Charlotte, whatever. I, I'm going to go find that band because I can do that. Mm. It, you have to be first. You can't follow. Classic example is, I, I'll tell you a story about a, a band called City of the Sun. Two acoustic guitar players and a guy who plays the, the box, which I believe is called the, the, Cajon. the Cajon. I call it the Cajon. The Cajon. So this, a friend says to me, you got to see these guys. They come when Marky Ramone and Andrew W.K. were playing Irving Plaza. And I said, play me a song. And it was at Soundcheck. And they sit down with two little amplifiers, battery operated, and the guy playing the cajon. And Marky and Andrew W. go, let's have them open tonight. I go, you can't have this band. It's kind of like uh, Gypsy Kings on Acid opening up for you. You know, it's just, let's let them do it. They're kind of like the Shadows meet the Ventures meets Gypsy <laughs> Kings. So we, we let them open up a punk rock show, Marky Ramone, Andrew W.K., and they get an encore. Great. I said, gee, you know, let's put them on in front of some, you know, old chubby people, Southside Johnny's audience. Let's let's try that. <laughs> they get an encore. And we've started to move them around. They just played down in, in Asbury Park Monday night. And it's instrumental music. The next thing I know that we, when we play, we, 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 you know, we play in the streets all the time. Uh, Primary Wave Publishing walks by and says, who are these guys? And we just signed a publishing deal with Primary Wave from playing in the streets of New York because mm -hmm. it's unique, it's different, it's special. It's kind of like flamenco-y. It's three good-looking guys. Okay, let's play a minute yeah, of it. Yeah, let's, let's, um, let's play the one, two, three, fourth song, Raison. Then this after is, Raison, we're going to go to uh, a few PSAs, and we'll be back with more questions. You mean okay. commercials about, about Marky Ramon's pasta sauce? Yes. Go to MarkyRamonePasta.com. These are two guitar players and a guy playing a, a cajon in a box. And there's a song called Raison, which they don't even know sounds like Walk Don't Run by The Ventures. But they play, as I said, they play in the street. Even Tommy Silverman walked by and said, I want to sign them to Tommy Boy Records. Sony Classics called us uh, about him, Universal Classics. And we don't know what the hell we're doing yet. Um, but we just have a lot of fun. We just shot a special in Union Square with, for the, the, the channel Fuse. And if you listen to it, it's just, it's just different. This is the more sedate side of it. They get really crazy, like, you know, very heavy and fast. But it's this kind of music. It's, it's unique.
Hits. You've been listening to Music Biz 101 and more. You can give us a call if you want, 973-720-2738. We will be right back in a moment with Harvey Leeds and Adam Jordan, two manager extraordinaires to the music business world. And again, Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 88.7 FM. We are back with Music Biz 101 and more with Dr. Stephen Marconi. I'm back too. And I am Professor Dave Philp. By the way, you can always reach us on the web, MusicBiz101WP. Tweet us right now if you'd like, at MusicBiz101WP, although we have a long line of tweet questions for our guests today who are Harvey Leeds and Adam Jordan, personal managers. Say hello, boys. Hello, girls. Excellent. Hello, hello. And, of course, we still have Bobby Mahoney. You can find Bobby Mahoney on Twitter. Bobby, where do we find you on Twitter? At Bobby Mahoney. It doesn't get much easier than that. At Bobby Mahoney. Okay. Yes, uh, Bobby has a question, but before we get to that, Harvey had a story about creativity. Okay. That so he my partner in crime here, Adam Jordan. Okay. Well, Jordan really isn't his last name, but I didn't know that for ah. a year or two. Okay? We're going to pull your pants down here right like on the radio. Jordan. He just right? didn't look like yeah, he, So... <laughs> You know, he keeps working me on this band. You got to come see this band, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, the Adam Jordan Relay Records. I mean, oh, my God, it must be this. Who are these kids? And then they have this company, and they have a record company, and Adam Jordan. And long story short, then I would get emails from this other guy, Bob. Then I would get these other emails from this guy, Jace. And it was like, the guy was, he was living 3P. He was 3P. <laughs> but through the, through the magic of emails... I thought there was this giant organization. And then I find out later why he's so passionate that the lead singer of the band, Glint, who signed the Votive Records, the same label that brought you to the uh, Augustines, um, he was the lead singer's brother. And that's Jordan wasn't his last name. Ah, he, was ju- he was just playing with me right. through the magic of email. Great. I didn't know who was behind there. I didn't get to see who it was, but... He had a very vested interest, and he had three personalities, and he was the brother of the bands, mm-hmm. the lead singer, brothers. Blah, blah, blah. The lead singer and him were brothers. Are they? Yeah. Are you still brothers with the lead singer, or did you? And, <laughs> we still are. You're still brought. Well, that is a great relationship. But Jordan <laughs> stuck, so now Jordan's everywhere. There we go. <laughs> right. It's, it's actually. What is your real last name? Blankford. Blankford. Yeah. B l a n k f o r t. Nah, nah. I Adam thought it was. F, I thought it was. B L A N K F A R T. Right. Let's get to Bobby. Oh, yes, Bobby Mahoney. Bobby Mahoney, your question. We're running out of time, Bobby. Go. I'll make it quick. Um, so history has shown us that, like, you know, out of disco came punk, and you know, out of like the '80s pop came grunge. Now, in the world today, with like EDM and like all the electronic music, what do you think the reaction to that is going to be? Or like, what? I guess the question is, like, what do you think is going to be next? Good question. Well, well, if I knew that. I wouldn't be sitting here in this beautiful radio station here mm-hmm. in Patterson State. But, Patterson you know, I think, yes, Patterson State, it's a prison. Yes, yeah, right? so this is 1955. Yeah. Here we are. We're your wacky DJs. William Patterson University. Hey, hey <laughs> uh, if I knew the answer to that, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here. But I think everything is, you know, cyclical and cyclical and works in circles. I think we're going back to basics. There's, a, there's you know, whether it's Ed Sheeran or acoustic music, I, I think it's, and there will be some marriage of EDM and acoustic music. You know what that is? I don't know, but I think it's just going to go back to basics because it's always about the song. Yep, I think I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, and you brought up uh, to me a few months ago about uh, something called hip hop. Yeah, I was working with a band called Gangster Grass. Yes, um, the greatest example and, and, of that is Gangster. Yeah, Grass. And, and you know, you talk about what do you look for? I was like, wait, what do you guys? You play bluegrass and hip hop. It's, it's hip hop, and there was a whole article in the New York Times, and there's a a whole other label in down in Nashville. It's just, you know, it's it's worlds and music, you know, genres colliding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A few students have tweeted in, and they want to know about social media from your perspective as a manager and when you're looking to work with an artist long term. Are you looking at their social media statistics, how many likes, how many followers, uh, or are you not interested in that and you're going on gut and what the music is? What, what is well, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't look at the social media. And it drives me crazy because I've walked into major record companies, hey, this has 3 million views. This has 3 million hits. Come back when you have 10 million. Okay, I come back when I got 10 million. Listen, 
you really should come back, you know, when you have 90 million. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, so it's very frustrating. I personally, I just got to get off on the music and think it's special, unique, and ha- and has broad audience appeal or is, you know, broad niche appeal, if you will. But, you know, it's very frustrating. But, but it, the, the, it's, it's part of the game. Social media is very important. Did you ever work with an act uh, when you were at Columbia and Sony that you didn't at any point get it why they were famous? Or did every act have something unique, something to bring to the table that was worthy of the amount of, today you would call them followers that they had? Mm, no, because, you know, I consider myself a student of the music business, always learning. And you always, when something, you know, that it may, maybe you don't personally dig, but you understand why John Legend is so popular and why mm-hmm. males and females and, and, and straight and gay, and it, it's about the song. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, no, you know, I make it my business if I don't understand something. And I remember very clearly when, when at Epic Records we signed Pearl Jam, I really didn't get it at first. Mm-hmm. And I made it my business to go to Seattle and I made it my business to go on tour with them with the Chili Peppers and the Pumpkins. And one day in Kansas City, the light went on and I went, this guy, Eddie Vedder, is incredible. There there hasn't been a guy like this since Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, sometimes some people get it, get it earlier than other people. But if you're a student and you want to be in the business, and I consider myself a student of rock and roll and music, you go try to figure out why Nine Inch Nails is so popular when, mm-hmm. you know, when their music was so intense. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, when you see a band like Rage Against the Machine for the first time and they blow your face apart, you go, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I saw a band that I thought was amazing called Skunk and Nancy from, from England, and I couldn't get arrested with it. Mm-hmm. There were only two people in America that shared my enthusiasm. Meanwhile, they were huge in England, and that was Oedipus at a famous radio station, WBCN in Boston, and Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. other than that, nobody cared about Skunk and Nancy. And you have another uh, new. Well, here's a crazy story. So what, when I'm in there with this band, City of Sun, at Primary Wave, the guy who one of the owners, Justin Shukat, says to me, "You got to hear this guy. That is a friend of mine." He's like Sam Cooke. I go, what do you mean? He's like, come see him with me at Joe's Pub. Sells out Joe's Pub. One, two, three. Put the fourth song on. So he writes all original music, except I'm going to play a Sam Cooke song that actually Johnny Taylor wrote. But that's a whole other story. So I go see this guy, and this guy lives it. He, skinny tie, suit, tie clip, boom, looks like Perry Como meets Johnny Mathis meets Mm -hmm. some nerd, 1961. It's blue-eyed soul, and just yeah, play it, and we'll play it, and we'll talk over it a little bit. And um, the guy's incredible. His name is Paul Lauren, and uh, Doc, put the headphones on. It's Roy Orbison, (laughs) Sam Cooke, Sam Cooke. Yeah, you know, put the next song on. Just hit that next. So, you know, interestingly enough. You want to talk about listen to this song. Of your days be sunny and bright. The smile on your face stay long. So interesting enough, a guy like this, mm-hmm. it's like I see him sell out Joe's pub. He lives in he lives in that world. Let's lower this a little bit, we'll keep it in the back, huh? And we said, well, how do we break through? And he's like, well, I I'm, I love retro soul music. I go, no, there's a ceiling to that. It's called BB Kings. You can go play the clubs. You you are Michael Bublé. You are Johnny Mathis. You should be playing big arenas. And we're trying to figure out right now. I'm actually co-managing him with Primary Wave, who has CeeLo and just signed Melissa Etheridge and a bunch of other people. And what we're doing is we're creating phony commercials because he has a record label called Five and Dime Records where we're creating, and he also has selections from Leisurely. So we've created a phony company called Leisurely Products, and we have Leisurely Cologne, and we have Leisurely Sweaters, and we're making all these phony products. We're making all these phony commercials that look 
looked like they were made in 1961. They look like they belong on Mad Men. But the products aren't real. The commercial, nothing's real. And we're just doing it to make people chatter and talk about Paul Warren. And that's about finding a little niche and being creative and clever and using social media to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Want to take another question? Yeah. From, uh, here's, here's another question with uh, sort of switching the... The, the tables, because usually people go, I want to get signed. How do I get signed? How do I get signed? How about the other side of it? What uh, Sarah wants to know, uh, what should an independent musician look for when they're talking to a personal manager? What should they be asking themselves when they're talking to a guy who may want to represent Well, the them? first thing they should do is hook him up to a lie detector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second thing they should is check out his police record. But But seriously, I mean, you just, you know... You know, if you think about uh, Scooter, who manages Justin Bieber, I think. Scooter Bieber, um, right. Yeah, you know, he was just a guy that was a club promoter. Mm-hmm. But the artist saw somebody that would walk through the wall for him. And and that's what you're looking for, somebody that he doesn't care that the record company says, oh, you only have 9 million hits. Followers. You know, it's like they, they, you want somebody that's not going to walk away ever because they believe in you and 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 a lot of the artists that i work with it's like hey we might not have success but i know one thing if i believe in you hey you're in my house forever you got to find somebody that believes and in our personal management classes seniors take that's one of the things we actually do we role play in class as an artist looking for a manager what do they look for in a manager looking for an artist but right now i'm actually interviewing somebody's kind of flushing me out and interviewing for an artist that does, you know, 150 dates a year and they're pretty successful. And they're like, they're quizzing me. They're they're raking me over the coals. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, what promotional ideas do you have, Harvey? What would you do if this happened? You know, what do you think about this? How come when we went and did that, you know, we only made $12,000? You know, well, that's because you didn't do this. So it's just... You know, right. you, you, they're raking me, and this this act is raking me over the coals, and I love it. <laughs> Dan wants to know, as a personal manager, have you ever had to break up with an artist, or vice versa, because you guys just couldn't work together? And did you have? We've talked about a, a term called the sunset clause. Um, have you had sunset clauses in your contract? In your uh, contracts? The, yes, mm-hmm. I've had sunset clauses, and have I ever broken up with artists? Yes. I can tell you two quick stories. There's one artist I broke up with. We're still best friends. I help him. I talk to him once a week, and, and it's a beautiful marriage. It's just like I just couldn't feel like we could get any traction. The other hand, I had an artist is very successful and has made millions and is on national TV. It just was like, you know what? You don't talk to people that way. You don't treat people like that because you're going to meet the same people going up on the way down. And so the answer is... Yeah, okay, and I, I, I'll give you a third example. Amanda Palmer from the Dresden Dolls, still best friends. I worked with her three times, but it's just like I love her. She's a genius. She's crazy. That's why she is a genius, but we just can't work together because I can't deal with getting 48 emails in three hours. Mm-hmm. But she's the best, Amanda Palmer. <laughs> I wonder if she's listening. But none of the artists was because of... Uh, Misappropriation of funds. Never. No are, you, are you kidding me? I, I lose money, you know, managing artists. You did have a story. Could you bring up the story of when we, we went out to dinner a month or so ago? You were talking about... I, I knew was, we met before. Yes, it was one time. It was dark. It was, it, was, it was dark. I didn't know what I was doing. We're playing What's My Line now. And I think it was you were telling the story of a, of a guy who was managing a band of, of like kids or, or something. He was managing a band and he was spending a lot of his personal money to get this band broken. Well, I mean, you're looking at me. It wasn't you then, obviously. But, but, I know a lot of stories like okay. that. But you, how about this? From, the, uh, from a, the life of a personal manager, is a personal manager going out and putting a lot of his money on the line, mortgaging his house, all that in, for, for a band if he really uh, thinks they're going to break it? Yeah, well, Bruce Springsteen's first manager, Mike Appel, he mortgaged his life, gave blood, you know, did everything for Bruce for whatever reason why they parted ways, you know, read all about it in some books somewhere. But, you know, that guy gave it all for Bruce Springsteen because he knew the guy was the Messiah of New Jersey. 
Right. Okay. Do, at what point are you signing contracts with artists? What time? At what point do you say do you believe a personal manager should? Okay, let's get this down in writing. Well, our I, you know, I go back to looking people in the eye, shaking hands. Uh, one of my old partners, Larry Mazur, who manages Lamb of God. Um, and I also learned it from Steve Paul, who managed Johnny and Edgar Winter, the late, great Steve Paul. He managed David Johansson. He had his own record label, uh, Blue Sky. Never had a contract with anybody. It was always a handshake. In fact, I'll take it right up to today. One of the biggest managers in the industry, Irving Azoff. Irving Azov, who manages the Eagles and Christine Aguilera and everybody else. everybody else under the sun, most of his deals, and he managed Neil Diamond, handshake, like, you know, if, if you're meant to be, you're meant to be, and if you're not, see you later and bye-bye. Uh, right. So yeah. I, 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 you know, but there's some acts I have paper with, and there's some acts it's just like, hey, we agree to agree until we don't agree. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend most artists to do it like that, or do you recommend the most artists should probably get something? Well, I also believe there's the honeymoon period. It's like, hey, you know what? I have one act right now. It's like, you know what? They they were like, well, my lawyer and your lawyer, and, and I think we should do it. I said, I'll tell you what. Let's start dating for a while. <laughs> let's date for a year. And if we, you know, if we love each other in a year, let's do some paper. Otherwise, like, let's just, let's just, now, let's uh, just work together. On the other part of that, Though bands that break up without any type of band agreement that they might have done while they had a honeymoon, and are you have you been privy to that situation where an an, an artist that you were representing and the band breaks up and then there's just total chaos because it was he said she said type of a situation. Yes, and it comes down and and it gets uglier regarding music publishing. Who wrote what song? I wrote that song. Exactly. What about my money? Or, hey, I, I paid for that trailer. Yeah. That truck is mine. You know, mm-hmm. wait a minute. We used, to, we used to always rehearse in this building. No, you can't use that anymore. That was, you know, mm-hmm. Uncle Sal's, you know, back at his pizza parlor. No, it, it's, it can get ugly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another tweet? Right, yes. Um, here's a good one. How From uh, Christine... How do I go about finding a manager, and how will I know if he or she won't? This kind of goes back, won't screw me over. Kind of goes to what you were just. You, you, you're never going to know that. It, you go with gut instinct. You, you you ask them difficult questions, and how do you go find them? They're going to find you if you're special and you're unique, and you're playing the clubs in whatever area, and you're selling out venues, and you're making noise, and your you know your social media is on fire. People knock on your door. When you say ask difficult questions, if Marconi wanted, if you were talking to Marconi about managing him as a trumpet player, um, what would some of the difficult questions be that he would be that he should be asking you? You should say, you know, what can you do to make me bigger than Chris Bodie? Period. <laughs> Period. Mm-hmm. You know, who's the most successful jazz trumpet player right now out there in the street? Mm-hmm. I'd say the guy who's ka-ching, ka-ching, making millions. Chris Bodie sells mm-hmm. out, you know, what, 20 days in a row in December at the Blue Note? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. PBS specials? You know. Anki wants to know, what are some of the most important revenue streams for an artist and for a manager? For you today, what, what are you looking at? Because it's not just recording anymore, obviously. Uh, it's, it's digital downloads. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, in, I'm the king of tchotchkes. I like, to, I like to see what your website is selling and how much stuff you're selling t-shirts fly swatters flashlights underwear bras socks whatever i i think that and and you know and and did you try and do the the hustle and try to you know it's not so much did you get your song to close gray's anatomy like the fray but did you get up to bat enough times and keep like you know hustling and networking and zinging your music to all the music supervisors. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes you're not successful, but it's like if you keep throwing the ball enough, somebody's going to catch it and get it. Right. Let's ask Jordan then a quick question because he was able to get that done. Jordan, you were able to get uh, Glint, a song from Glint. What, what was the sync deal that they had? With Root whom? Canal. I, I, we've, we've managed to get a 
quite a few decent sized sync deals and it just comes down to i even think it applies to finding a manager as well it just I mean, now with the internet i mean you there's so many lists so much information out there if you just hone in and put together a very simple and the right package and you obviously have the talent to back it i feel like almost everything's attainable you know whether like there that's how i that's how that's how i've gotten the sync stuff that's how we've booked our tours that's how i found harvey that's how I, I, but i believe that <laughs> less is more you know uh i always say to people i don't want to scroll show it to me on this on my computer screen if i can't get it without scrolling i ain't gonna get it it's got to be it's just got to be right there and succinct you're talking about the email yeah right frankly everything your show too mm-hmm. it's got to be like you got to knock me out in the first, you know, two songs. Otherwise, well, it's like like A and R. Like they always wanted, you know, they'll listen to the hook, and the hook better be there pretty soon, or yeah, they're, they're, I'm not going to listen. Kid Kelly, who runs, you know, Serious Hits One, he's the program director. Mm-hmm. Kid is like, hey, if I don't hear the hook within twenty seconds, see you later. I brought him a record. He asked me to re-edit it. He goes, this song's a smash, but you got to re-edit it, and we re-edited it. The song wasn't a smash, but you know. <laughs> Um, but we re-edited, so the hook was there within 20 seconds. Okay. Well, um, we need to close up shop, Dr. Stephen Marconi. Yes, we do, and we'll be back next week at the same exact time with Tom Hefter, uh, originally uh, Red Roadrunner Records and now at Ticketmaster, and he'll be uh, very insightful in uh, what actually you do with a degree in this thing. (laughs) <laughs> called the uh, music and entertainment industry. That's right. And that's what we've been talking about for the last hour. You have been listening to Music Biz 101 and more. I said it right. On WP 88.7 Brave New Radio. You can listen to us every week and also go to Stitcher Radio, listen to the podcast, type in Music Biz 101 and more. As always, you can find us on the web at musicbiz101wp.com or tweet us at musicbiz101wp. Bobby Mahoney, say hello and goodbye. Hello and goodbye. Adam Jordan, thank you for coming aboard. Say hello and goodbye. Thank you for having us. Good night. Thank you for having us. Harvey Leeds. Hey, please go to MarkyRamon.com and order a case of Marky Ramon's pasta sauce, and we'll see you at Knuckleheads and the Shepherds, the Shepherd and the Knuckleheads for drinks. Right? And the sauce is very good. I've had it. Yes. And uh, Dr. Marconi, thank you so much for being here. And I am Professor Dave Philp. And for everyone in the studio, we would like to give you a wonderful and succinct adios. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex.